Hello and welcome to the Get It Straight podcast. I'm Jason Sorotin, joined by always my brilliant partner, ODO CEO, Judd Johns. Judd, how are you today? Good, Jay. How are we you? Have, I, I'm doing great, man. We have a very special guest. We have Dr. Chris Feldman. He's an orthodontic that hails from New Liberia, Louisiana, and currently has a practice there, and another in Lafayette, Louisiana. He attended the University of Louisiana. <laughs> we gotta, we gotta stop. Butcher both cities. You said New Liberia, and then you said Lafayette. You're probably Lafayette. okay, Lafayette. <laughs> but wait, no, <laughs> now, wait, wait, no, now this, this is part Iberia. of the show. Hold on a second. New, <laughs> New Iberia. Did I say Liberia? Yeah, yeah, you like just added it. You just added an L. Yeah, here's what you, you don't see. Out of nowhere. This was on purpose. I wanted to bring attention to Iberia, and I figured this was the only way to really do it. Well, actually, if you ever, everybody knows Tabasco sauce, right? Yeah. Um, Tabasco is Tabasco. That company was founded in New Iberia, and it's still Tabasco sauce is still produced in New Iberia on Avery Island, which is part of New Iberia. And uh, it is also produced in other places in the world, but that's our, our one claim to fame, I guess. As a, as a <laughs> I mean, that's Small a pretty town, cool but. one. That is a pretty good one. And they're good. Uh, t- there's nothing better than Tabasco with um, some uh, crawfish. Oh my God. Yeah, I, love I'm, I, I love crawfish. I'm not huge on hot sauce, but uh, you know, uh, you don't, you don't need, you don't need Tabasco. You don't put it on anything. I, I, no, I, I guess. You know, I'm from Louisiana, so I'm kind of like an inherited uh, Cajun, I guess you could say. But my family, uh, before I was born, my family's from from New York, so I guess I got those those uh, northern taste buds, I guess you could say. But I, you know, I get down with the crawfish and everything like that. But I just I don't pour on the hot sauce. You know? how, how did you, you know, let's go back. You have two practices; they're bustling. You're doing 200 to 300 starts, new starts a year at each one. What what got you into orthodontics? How did your journey begin? Um, well, I, I've always known I wanted to be an orthodontist uh, since I was about 12. You know, I went through the normal, want to be an astronaut and a pilot and a firefighter and all that. But um, when I had my own orthodontic treatment, um, you know, I was in middle school and starting to think about what I wanted to do in life. And I, um, you know, I, I like, I just think it was a, a great blend of um of um, opportunities, I guess you can say. You can be your own boss. You can help people. You can have a good living. You can make your own schedule. Um, and I was kind of fascinated with the art and science of it as well. So, um, so a lot of a lot of things drew me in. And kind of once I made that decision, I kind of just that was my goal, and I kind of just stuck with it. I, I always say this to my kids that had I known what great lives orthodontists have for the most part, that I would have at least gave it a thought. And before the podcast started, you were talking about what a great appreciation you have for what you do. For those out there or people who are, are, you know, thinking about this as might be a career, what's so great about being an orthodontist and why do you love it so much? Well... Um, like I said, I just, uh, I'm, I've always been kind of a, a critical thinker, problem solver, science and math guy. Um, so, you know, that's what we're doing every day. We're moving teeth. We have to know not only the physics of it, but the, the biology of it. So it kind of gets my nerd juices flowing, but at the same time, uh, more importantly than that, I, I just, 
I've always been an extrovert, so I, I love people and I, I love getting to work um, closely with people and getting to help them. And, you know, whether it's whether the patient realizes it or not, we have such a great impact on their life. I know a lot of times we're working on young children who can't fully appreciate it yet. But, um, you know, when I think back of everything that I'm proud of in my life that I've done, uh, I, I wonder if I would have been able to do that if I was not confident in my smile. And the answer is probably no, or, or it'd be a lot less likely, right? Who, who treated you, Chris? Um, the late Dr. Shaston treated me, who he, he's a very well known in the orthodontic world. He uh, invented lots of um, instruments and he was, a, he was a very charismatic to say the least. Um, so he treated me. Um, when I was 12 or 13, I had the Herpst appliance and all that. Oh, yeah. You using Herpst these days? Are you using any functional appliances to advance uh, the mandible? Yeah, I do use the Herpst. Um, I, you know, I'm, I'm not scared to take out upper, upper bicuspids in a, in a class two case. Um, if I think they can get there with rubber bands, I'll treat with rubber bands. But a lot of cases, if they, if they're, deep bite and have a, a retronathic mandible, I'll, I'll go for the herbs uh, right off the bat. I've found great success with it. And um, I know it intimidates a, a lot of people that don't use it, don't use it because they they don't want to deal with it. And so there's a lot of technicalities involved. But I think like Dr. Neil Kravitz helped me with the design of, of the, the herbs I use. And, um, you know, once you get it dialed in, there's knock on wood, there's very few issues with it. For those that, so um, we have some patients that watch the show here and there. A herpes, how would you define, how, if you're in a consult, how would you describe a herpes to a patient that, that you see that is a class two? For me, a herpes is used for people that maybe ideally should be treated with jaw surgery. Their, their lower jaw is just too small. And, um, you know, they, a lot of people obviously don't want to have jaw surgery. So it's kind of a, a avenue we use to try to avoid that. And I don't, you know, I don't think we have a magic wand and I don't necessarily preach that we can grow the mandible or grow the lower jaw forward. Um, but more so, I think that we can encourage growth, that natural growth, that with that natural growth potential that's within us. A lot of times when you have a deep overbite, um, the, the lower jaw physically can't move forward. So once that, that herbs appliance kind of unlocks that biting and gives you the room to actually grow forward. So I think it's a combination between that and it does move your top teeth back and your bottom teeth forward a little bit. Um, some people say it, or it, it's kind of highly debated, but some people say it can also remodel or help uh, remodel your jaw joints a little bit to, to um, move in a more forward position. So it's a combination. And honestly, you know, honestly with me, I'm not the most, uh, I'm not the most, uh, I, I don't look back to the research that much these days. Uh, I kind of what works for me, I know works and um, I keep my ears open, but the herpes has been around for a very long time. And for me, if it gets the job done, if it, if it fixes the bite and avoids them having to have teeth out or have jaw surgery, then I say it's a win. And what I tell a lot of parents is that you know, when your kid comes in with a 12 millimeter overbite that ideally could use jaw surgery, sometimes the herpes, you see a little relapse at the end. So, but if we get a, a 12 millimeter overbite to a three or four millimeter overbite, it's not perfect, but it's a win. So, 
We're talking to Dr. Chris Feldman, feldmansmiles.com. If you're in the new Iberia and Lafayette, did I say that right this time? Lafayette? Yeah, and technically I'm in a smaller town outside of Lafayette. It's called Youngsville, but it's all in the same area. If you're in that region, you got to go check out feldmansmiles.com. Go get a consultation. No matter what age, it's never too late to have an amazing smile. And as you can tell, Dr. Feldman is an expert. I want to go back and, and talk a little That's bit. That's what I tell people. <laughs> <laughs> I want to go back and talk a little bit about people. You said that people are really important to you. And, you know, through the pandemic and through, um, you know, what are they calling it? The great uh, quitting. So, you know, I retire the great resignation and all of that, you know, and culture. You podcast on that. Yeah. And so what, what are you, what have you seen in the space? Is it causing your practice any troubles growing? What are your opinions on how doctors should be, you know, running practices in terms of culture and people? I know you have strong opinions. Well, are you, are you talking about from the pandemic standpoint or just in general? I'm talking about, well, the pandemic started a trend where we lost a bunch of, you know, people started to move out of the workforce and it was harder to get there. And I'm saying that yeah. now it's even more important to have a great culture and like make it a great place to work. Well, so first off, I'll start with the, with my thoughts on the, on the pandemic. Um, you know, at first it was a little scary because you, you know, you, you don't know what's going to happen. You don't know how long it's going to last. I mean, we were out of the office for two months and not being able to see patients and things like that. Then you worry from a business standpoint, is my business going to go downhill? I mean, that's two months we didn't start any cases. But what I like to tell my team and, and other orthodontists is that, you know, we're in a uniquely good situation here because, like, compared to, let's say, a restaurant, you know, a restaurant that had to close down, those people that didn't go eat there, you don't get that meal back. Like they, they had to eat something else, but with orthodontics, you know, it, it delayed our patients from coming in maybe, but their teeth aren't, they're still not going to straighten themselves. So the same people that wanted braces before and during the pandemic want braces after the pandemic. So what we saw and, you know, there were, we could all have guessed what was going to happen, but you know, there's probably a lot of different ideas and everything. So what we saw is last year when, when things started opening back up again and they had stem checks flowing like crazy, um, we saw a huge, huge demand. I mean, we our business skyrocketed last year compared to the year before. Um, and now this year it's kind of settled down a little bit, so we're not as busy as last year, which I, I kind of saw that coming a little bit. Um, but And I think that a lot of orthodontists are experiencing the same thing. Now, in, in life in general, I mean, I think, you know, just like many industries, as time goes by, there's there's more and more orthodontists out there. There's more and more um, maybe dentists doing orthodontics. There's there's these at-home aligner companies and things like that. So there's always threats to our profession, as as people would say, which as a new graduate you can be pretty scary. But um, for me, I realized, like, number one, nobody can do orthodontics as good as, as us orthodontists. Sorry to all the dentists out there who may do orthodontics but um it's our specialty it's our bread and butter it's what we do every day and um you know on a general basis nobody can do what we do um in our field uh, so i don't think that i don't think that we need to worry because getting perfect smile and perfect body people are pretty picky and i think we're the, we're the only ones who can get it 
perfect. And we can't always get it perfect, but we can come the closest, right? Um, anyway, you know, I've always had a competitive mindset. You know, I want all of my colleagues to do well, and it seems like they all are. We don't have to worry about that. We're very fortunate. Um, but in any business you're in, I would say customer service and having a good culture is uh, very important. And I think that's something that um, in a lot of businesses, we're kind of seeing a, a lack of customer service. So um, having a great, happy atmosphere, treating customers right, um, having a good time, enjoying what you do, people can tell that, you know, so that's just paramount for me. For um, docs that are struggling with, you know, maybe efficiencies, what are some things that you do or products that you use or services that are improving your daily life as a practicing orthodontist? Oh man, we could, honestly, we could talk for hours um, about this. And when I, when I hear the term efficiency and I, and when I speak about it, I always have to mention my mentor, Dr. Jeff Kozlowski. He's an orthodontist in Connecticut um, who kind of opened my eyes to, to, or to true orthodontic efficiency and what not only what it means for your physical cases, but what it means for your life outside of the office. Um, so, you know, long story short is that a lot of uh, orthodontists do a great job, but they work so hard for those great results when a lot of times they can be achieved a little bit more easily, maybe in less visits for the patient, less time in the chair. Um, and so not only does the patient appreciate that, but that e either means you have to see less patients today or work less days to see the same amount of patients. Um, so for me, I lucked out and I kind of started paying attention to this right at the right time as my practice was taken off. And I think back to how many appointments it used to take me to treat a patient on average um, compared to now. And I think I, I used to be at like 20 or 21, which is around the national average. Now I'm at 13 to 14. So um, that enabled me to, to handle the growth of my office without feeling the, the, the pressure per se. Quick, quick and it also too. allowed, go ahead. No, you go ahead, Chris. Well, and it also just allowed me to work less days. I'm, I have two young children and an awesome wife at home. And I, I, as much as I love orthodontics, I, I love spending time with them more. Um, so I, you know, I, there's no shame in, I, I have no shame in saying like, I like to take days off. So um, I, I, I work as many days as I need to, to get the best results that I can. And the rest of the time I try to do, do cool shit. <laughs> can I say that on here? Sorry. Fucking A. Fucking A. So <laughs> I saw, you know, your name came up, Chris, with Kaz um, last November. So we were, we were in Atlanta at the aquarium on, uh, it was him and Jamie and Dr. Diego Pedro. And they were, he was talking about efficiency and he was, he was going through the program. It was awesome because he was saying, he goes, you know, he kind of just stopped and he goes, you know, I've been talking about Jamie and this one part of the lecture. He goes, how long have I been talking about this? And Jamie's like, you know, years. He goes, how many, he goes, you know, how many people have followed up and come to my office since you know with all my years of lecturing about this topic of, of efficiencies it's like one chris feldman <laughs> in new iberia louisiana and that's when i text you i'm like yo shout out in atlanta right now uh, and it's did, funny because like his office and get the whole tutorial how, how did you go about that yeah and i, I um i brought 
I mean, I, I brought four team members to his office as well. Uh, you know, he's that, that mandatory if you're going to totally revise your process. Like, how, how should uh, well, I think that? so. And we could talk about that later, but I think yeah. bringing team members to those learning experiences is super important. Um, but I, you know, so Jeff, you know, him and Jamie always been best buds, and and I just kind of. I lucked out and just became really good friends with them. Um, mm -hmm. You know, I look up to them uh, a lot, but now they're true friends. Like Jeff actually came a few weeks ago. He came to Louisiana and he said, Chris, if I come there, I want to do some Cajun stuff, like big time. So we had, I had a crawfish ball at my house for him. We had like 80 people. I've never seen somebody eat so much crawfish, by the way. He had like nine plates. <laughs> but um, we went, uh, we actually went, to, the, to my friends own some crawfish ponds and we went to actually pull a crawfish trap so he could feed uh -huh. it from start to finish, you know? Um, and then I took him to new Orleans for a good meal. And then we went boat fishing, um, uh -huh. on the Saturday night. So he had a blast, but, uh, he's really become a good friend to me, you know? So I think, and actually I think a lot of people try to visit his office to the point where he had to start like charging a fee to, for people to visit and it's not because he wants the money it's just because you know it's hard to practice when visitors are in your office and if he if if he wanted to he could have a visitor there every day but he does him and jamie still give the course which they talk about um about kind of new patient experience and how to how to convert more starts and then jamie talks more about that and jeff kind of talks about clinical efficiencies and not necessarily how to be efficient in the clinic but why you need to be efficient in the clinic so Jeff and I, Jeff uses Damon brackets and I use twin brackets. So we don't use the same mechanics, similar in some ways, but I mean, he doesn't use expanders and I do, you know, we do a lot of things differently, but just his, his understanding of the, the clinical metrics is better than anybody's in the entire world. So, um, you know, they always say, uh, if you're the smartest person in the room, go to a different room. Right. So like I went to a, I don't know how many rooms I was the smartest person in, probably not many, but I want to be in that room with him because he like knows this stuff like the back of his hand. And he's, he's created uh, like a super strong practice with amazing results. He's not cutting any corners. No. I, when I went there, I looked at, he takes pictures at every single visit, which that alone blows my mind. But I went through so many of his cases and he's making in cases I thought needed extractions or surgery. He's making them look, look simple. And, uh, you know, it's, I know, I, I mean, I give him praise a lot, but he has helped me to change my life so much. So, you know, and, and if I can do a smidgen of that for other orthodontists, then, cause I'm, I'm no expert, I'm still learning, but if I can kind of help other orthodontists to see that light, like I did, I mean, it literally equals more hours with my, my children, you know, and that's priceless. Are you, so fun fact, the average amount of appointments for brackets and wires is 19. So you're way beneath the national it's 19? Average. And 19. I've seen some say 22 or 23, but, you know, I'm cool with that. Um, and it's not, a, it's not a competition. And and I'm not trying to say I'm the best ortho in the world. My, my results are getting better and better. Even though I'm doing less and less appointments, my results are improving. And we, you know, no one's ever come in here and look at all of our cases. So that's something we have to be honest within ourselves about. Like we have to, to make sure we're not cutting any corners. Yeah. Yeah. That one's from our friend, Susanna Gage. So it's, it's operational. So you are, you're doing quite well. I'm guessing that has well, something to do with the customer experience of your patients. And I, right. And I will argue I have Gage and, and love it. Um, they're not paying me to say that, 
But if they want to give me a free month, I'll take it. Um, but no, I check gauge every night and they track every single metric possible. But I would argue almost that if gauges clients are doing 19, um, 19 visits per case, then probably the national average orthodontist is probably doing a little more. Cause I yeah. think that gauge clients tend to be more in tune with the numbers. That's why they got gauge. But that's just my opinion. Uh, no, and you, you make a very good point. And this is something we didn't talk about with Suzanne Jay, but you know, think about the persona of the person that's going to stick a software into your you know, bolt it onto your practice management system so you can better understand the data and the health of that. Take that's a different kind of mindset to want to know that information. So Chris is likely very, yeah. very right. Absolutely. And you have to be careful. You you can't be all about the numbers, but it's it's you know, it's kind of like a hobby for me. Like I'm checking, you know, like I, I like to see those little green arrows saying I'm doing better. Right. Yeah. This year there's a few red arrows because last year was so great, but it's just, it's a, it's a really uh, awesome product and, and it's kind of, it, it, it's helped me learn and, and improve. I got, I got a, I got another question, a little bit of a pivot for, for doc here, because we, you pivot. did something that I haven't copied. You did something that I haven't, seen done you know i so fun i used to look after chris when i was a rep in louisiana many years ago it was, it was a great run but chris you're one of the few cats that came out of residency that opened their own practice straight away they, and that's that's kind of a rare thing these days what might you say for the the resident that's thinking about what to do when you got these osos and dsos and it's all going on like where where that come from for you? Did you knew you were gonna, know you were going to go that way? And what's your mindset on that? Um, there was a brief time I thought I was going to partner with a guy in my town, but I realized kind of quickly, and I think he did too. Like, I know who I am, and I just frankly, my my ego is probably a little too big to to um, be an associate for yeah, for an extended period of time. <laughs> um, and I knew, you know, I knew that I was going back to New Iberia. I knew that that's where I was from. That's where my heart is. That's, I knew that, that that's where I want to be. Um, and I believe that no matter who you are or what you want to do, like life's all about balance. Right. So I definitely had a healthy fear, um, of what was to come. I knew I'd make it, you know, I don't know many starving orthodontists, but I knew that it would be okay. I did not know that we'd be nearly as busy as we are. Uh, and I would have been okay with that also. But um, it's just funny. I see, I, I was kind of, you know, I never viewed myself as an underdog necessarily, but like coming, getting into ortho school, like I was not your, your top candidate, right? I was, I was 15th out of 60 in my class. I wasn't top, you know, I wasn't top of the stack of resumes they were looking for. Um, you know, I wasn't a slouch either, but I, there were so many people in dental school that were just like a lot more confident than me and were better students than I was. And to see some of those same like ideal students come out and the minute they graduate ortho school, they're like scared of everything and have this, this fear. I'm like, where's that confidence that took you to where you're at, that you had at every other level of your life? Like, where is that? Why'd you lose that? Are we talking like, street been... smarts versus academic smarts here? Well, I'd like to think I'm pretty street smart, but I'm talking, you know, I mean, and I kind of, I held my own in academic classes. I just, you know, a lot of the hand skills classes, I just, I couldn't get that A, I would get that B, you know? So it's, yeah. uh, but, but look, there's people in dental school that were intelligence wise, just a lot smarter than me and a lot better at studying than, than I was like, you know, at 11 PM when I got tired, I went to bed. <laughs> like I couldn't stay up 
till 3 a.m. studying. I just didn't have it in me. Um, but, you know, I would just tell anybody, like, be smart, make good decisions. But if you're going to bet, bet on yourself, right? I mean, you put in a lot of Always. time, effort, money into this. Now, look, I, I mean, I was having a conversation with my friend the other day, uh, my friend, Dr. Andy Sarpadar. We were talking about um, a lot of orthos complaining about the, the high debt involved and how expensive some of these schools are getting. Look, I'm not telling you that if you become an orthodontist, you can go open up uh, in from scratch in a, a big 5,000 square foot clinic in the middle of Beverly Hills and just all of a sudden be kicking ass and taking names. Maybe you can, but I'm not telling you to do that. You have to definitely just do your research, do your homework, know your surroundings, know that if you go to a busier, more expensive place, it's probably going to take you a little longer. Yeah, you might have a pretty view of the beach, but it, it's going to take you longer. Um, to, to get where you need to in business, right? So, um, you know, I, I love my town, New Iberia. It's probably not the most sought after place to be. Um, there's uh, the, the average family income's not the highest. Uh, the, you know, we have to worry about hurricanes and things like that. But to me, the people there are great and the food's great. And I knew, I, I knew that's where I wanted to be. And um, luckily the town has embraced me uh, when, I, when I came back. It was relatively quick startup, I would say. But, uh, you know, just know thyself, right? But if you're going to bet on somebody, I mean, you didn't just waste 20-something years of being a student, right? Yeah. Absolutely. I mean, <laughs> the riskiest thing you can do in life is not take the chance because, you know, it's just as risky not to do something. People spend so much time not. I, so I, I would argue that Sadly, I'm sure there are some orthodontists that are truly struggling in business out there. Um, and I would argue that if that's the case, at this point, they're either in the wrong place or they're just not getting it. They're doing something just terribly wrong. It's probably not that they're a bad orthodontist either. Um, but, you know, and if anybody is in that situation, I would, I would love to, uh, to talk to you. Yeah, so I would just say, you know, I'm here to talk to. I'm sure there's a lot of other colleagues out there who will talk to you, but there's got to be something you can be doing differently. Because you're going to be there's a lot of there's a lot more professions out there that that are you're more likely to fail in. Chris is uh, going to be speaking at the Orthopreneur Conference, if I'm not mistaken, this coming year. So you'll have an opportunity to share some of these insights with some young bucks. Yeah, and if I, I love to see it because. You know, I, I mean, I still feel young. Like, I, I mean, I would, I would consider myself young. I got my hairline's receding a little bit, but uh, I, I mean, now I'm looking back, I'm like, I've been an orthodontist for almost nine years. Like, that's a long time. So I've gotten to experience uh, a lot of things, and um, like I say, I, I know there's there's a lot of big egos in in the world and in our profession, and uh, I, I'm probably one of them. <laughs> But uh, it's not for me. It's not about it's not about like getting this ortho popularity or anything. You know, uh, I just I feel like it's my my moral obligation to help others in the way that I've been helped. Because there's a lot I could I could talk for hours about every, all the orthodontists that have helped me to get where I'm at. You know, and I'm and it where I'm at might not be somebody else's goal, but for me, I'm very grateful. Absolutely. We appreciate you, man. 
Yeah, absolutely. Uh, Dr. Chris Feldman, feldmansmiles.com. If you're in the new Iberia area, the Lafayette area, please make sure you check out feldmansmiles.com. And like he said, if, if you're a struggling orthodontist or you're having an issue in any way, He's offering a helping hand, and you can't beat that, so you can reach him at his website. He's easy to get a hold of. Dr. Feldman, thank you so much for being on the show today. Oh, no problem. No problem. Um, I'm enjoying it. <laughs> That's awesome. On uh, behalf of Judd Johns, I'm Jason Sirodin. If you're looking for digital marketing for your dental practice and you've tried other things, try something that works, give Brain Bites Creative a call and let us get you on the road to more starts and a better future. If you're a dental clinician and you're looking to expand your practice, Make sure you reach out to ODO. They're doing uh, liner treatments in uh, for most malocclusions in four appointments or less. You can check them out at ondemandorthodontist.com. Thank you all very much. We will see you next time.